0: Tonight we are continuing our series in a study of God, the attributes of God. <clears throat> We've looked at different things in this series, and the last time that we uh, met together and, and, and studied this series on Sunday night, we talked about what is love. We defined love in the sense of how we know it. We defined love in the sense of God and that deep um, passion of love, that uh, caring for each other and, and someone and um, compared it to the love of a spouse or a child or friends or whatever the case may be. But if you remember, I told you the best definition <clears throat> that I have found for love if you remember you may have this in your notes but caring enough to sacrifice for what is best you think about that in, in every aspect of your life caring enough to sacrifice for what's best now you can apply that kind of terminology and that thought in your marriage, in your relationships that our college age class we talked about this morning. And most of all, number one, what? For God. Caring enough to sacrifice for what is best. Now, sometimes we don't want to sacrifice for what is best. We want to sacrifice for what Best what? Pleases me. What helps me feel better? And sometimes that's not always the case. And all these relationships that we have in our lives church and work and friend and spouse and for God and for Jesus and and all the same, uh, sometimes we, we apply that, but sometimes we apply it in the wrong way. But that's the best definition when you really want to define the type of love that we should have for God and bringing it into other relationships as well. We talked about, of the again, of what love is, how God demonstrated toward all mankind when he tells of us in Romans 5 and 8 that the death of Christ... And while we were yet sinners, and while we were in our most vile state, God loved us enough to send his son. Then we talked about his long-suffering. Through his long-suffering, he shows us that he loves us. (coughs) That long-suffering being patient God is a patient God, isn't he? He has to be. With the condition the world is in today and the way uh, mistakes I've made in my life, God has got a, he is a patient God, a long-suffering God. But real quickly, before we get into the last point on this thought, God shows his love because of his revelation to us. Another demonstration of God's love is his word to us. Some call the Bible, I've heard through the years, a love letter from God. Now, y'all remember now, used to, when I was younger and some of you older folks was younger, you wrote a letter to your sweetheart. You didn't text them or you didn't do it. Now you text them or all that stuff, right? Uh, I don't know if anybody ever writes a letter to their sweetheart anymore. You always write on there, you always put two boxes. But in my case, I put three. Do you like me? Yes or no? And then I always put another box in there and says maybe. Because I knew if there was a maybe box in there, I had a chance. But a love letter from God, his word. And in, in a sense, as it tells us not only what he has done for us in his word, but what he expects us to do to receive salvation. You see, when, when, when we care for someone, we will go to that person and we will say, this is what you need to do to fix this situation or make it better for yourself. God says I've written it all down in the Bible and this is what you've got to do to get salvation and to be able to live eternally in heaven one day. In 2 Peter chapter 1 in verse 2 and verse 3 through verse 3 of that chapter he tells us, doesn't he? He tells us about how much he loves us. He tells us that he's given us all that he, all that we need, if you will. When you go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3, the Bible says to us, make sure I got the right one here, all right. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According to as his divine power hath given unto us what? All things that pertaineth unto life and to godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to uh, glory and virtue. You see, the word of God, young people, there's value in this book. This book, God loved you enough to put everything in this book that you need to know to how to deal with dating, how to deal with those temptations at school, how to prepare yourself to be a Good Christian husband, a good Christian wife. He's given you how to deal with life's problems. He's given us the word of how to have good marriages, how to be a faithful Christian, how to be a good father, how to raise your children, how to discipline your children, how to view the government, how to do, uh, he's given all that we need and then some in this book. This book has a value. I believe that over time this book has lost value in a lot of people's minds. I was just having a discussion <clears throat> at our home this afternoon with all the kids and stuff there and I was telling them I said there's no amount of money that can buy that from me. There's no amount of money I, you guys know I make notes in here, and I, I'm, I'm writing notes now that when I'm dead and gone, my kids can read and, and see what Daddy thought about this or about that or what I thought was important. No amount of money. One day uh, when we were here at McCoinsville, I put it on top of the van, and I forgot about it and drove here. And it, pulled, it rolled off. It, it went off into the, onto the side of the road. And I remember coming here and realizing, where's my Bible? I mean, where's, my, where's my hard copy of the Bible? And I happened to think. And I left. I don't know if I had somebody teach class or I wasn't teaching that morning or something. I can't remember. But I went back and searched. Couldn't wait after Bible study. It's was supposed to rain, <laughs> And I knew it was going to ruin it. But it had value to me, not not just because of it's God's word, but because of the the, the things that I've added and things that I've written and, and the things that are important that I want to be left behind. The Bible has value. And God shows us his love, forgiveness, that also through his chastening, or his chastening, he disciplines us. How many times have you heard me say, and you said probably your children, "If I didn't love you, I wouldn't discipline you." I've told you all in my home when we uh, when we disciplined our children and I whipped them or whatever, I always brought them back to my knee and told them that I loved them, um, and I told them, "Ask them why, why do you know why you got a whip?" It? You know what their answer was. No. Well, then that gave me a time to be a daddy. Gave me a time to be a father and say, this is the why. This is the why. You can't do that. I love you. And that's why I, I'm, I'm doing it." Our Lord, our God, he chastens us, doesn't he? He shows his love through that. And you know, you look at the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 6, notice what it says. For, you know it well. For the whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. God, loves, God shows his love through, through disciplining us in various ways. He's had to discipline me through the years. He's had to knock me down a few times. But if we love, just as a father and he loves us and he disciplines us as a mother and father, if we love our children, we'll discipline them. But also he shows our love in what he has promised us. The reason we are here is because we have hope. Tonight, you believe that you have hope. That's why you came back tonight. Is you believe and, and you have faith that you have hope of a better place. Some of you are dealing with with uh, have dealt with surgeries and and tests and and difficulties in your life, and, and you come back because. And you're part of this because you have hope and you, and you have uh, a desire that God will take care of you, that God's going to take care of the problem. That's why we do what we do. That's why we remain faithful. Is because God does show his love and what he has promised for us. You know, we endure many things in this life. We, we sacrifice. We suffer. We go through difficult times, a lot of things in our life. Why? We've asked that question many times, haven't we, here? Why? We know that when this life is over, something better awaits us, and it's called a home in heaven. That's why. That's why. That's why we do what we do. That's why we don't give up when things are difficult and when difficult times come, we don't give up because we know there's a better place. We believe and we know through faith and through God's love he has promised us that. You know, I wish that I, as a younger age, when I was younger, had matured quicker in that area of understanding that. That home prepared is a product of his love. John 3 and verse 16. When he says that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth on him should have what? Everlasting life. He promised us that. He promised us that. And that promise shows that he loves us. And that he cares for us. And in the book of, uh, of Romans, in chapter 6, in verse 23, a passage very familiar to you. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Eternal life through Jesus, our Lord. God shows us love. 1 John 3 and 1 through 3 he speaks of the manner of love that God has bestowed upon us. And as you go through 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 he, he goes on and proceeds to address some of what we have to look forward to which results in everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I want us to spend the next few minutes the last few minutes that we have on this thought. Truly, the love of God is demonstrated in many ways. We've talked about it. we covered the last three of that thought tonight. But what is our response to that love? Now think about that. We've talked about how God shows his love for us and how he continues to show his love for us and the ways he's done that. But what is our response to that love? Now we are all about saying God loves us, God loves us, God loves us. The world's about that. God loves us, God loves us. But what is your response to that? You know, as I was preparing and, and studying for this lesson, I was thinking about how our, our love is shown to each other and my sweet Amanda between she and I and our home and our marriage for 27 years. And as I thought about that statement, how important it is for as we are in our relationships, and especially marriage relationships, for The one to show love, that's what we focus on a lot, isn't it? Show your love, show your love. Do things for people. It's not just saying it with your mouth. Do things. Love, we say it more by actions than we do words. Actions speak louder than words. We say that. But it's just as important in those relationships, and even in the relationship with God that we're talking about, is that we respond. That person whom the love is being shown to has to respond back in a way that will make that love reoccur over time and time. It's just like in the world of behavior in children that I work with so much. If I want a behavior to reoccur, a good behavior, guess what do I do? I respond to that good behavior. I respond, I reward that behavior. And then eventually, I don't have to respond as much. Now, that doesn't work in our relationships and homes. That shouldn't be that way. But with that behavior, we try to call what we do fade it out, fade that response out so that they don't have to be dependent upon that. But that's the same thought. What is our response? What is our response? Now, go with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. What is our response? We love him because he first loved us. Now, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him because what? He first loved us. We love him back. Let me simplify it a little more. The better, and remember this, don't forget this, the better we understand the love of God toward us, the more we will want, to love him back. One might say, why all these lessons on the love of God and, and loving each other and, and the attributes of God and love? That's why. Is because when we better understand what God has done for us in all these ways, this long-suffering, his grace, his mercy, his chastening, uh, what he's promised in the future, when we understand that better, We will want to love him back. And we will strive with every fiber of our being to give him the greatest portion we can of the type of love he has given us when we fully understand why God loves us and what he has done for us and what he continues to do and the ways that he is long-suffering with us and giving his son, will every ounce and fiber of our being will want to put it towards him to show him that we love him back? Same thing with our our spouses and, and things, isn't it? You know, what makes you want to do for your spouse? Number one, you love her or him. But it makes it a little easier when one They do something for you. Now, we old hard ankles and boys and men, we sometimes lose that. You know, we don't think about those things. We need to. We need to do those little things in our in our marriages. We need to do those things most importantly with a relationship with God. What can I do for God today? This coming week, what can you do for God this coming week to show him that you love him back? What can you do? You answer that, you know? You answer that and you live it out this week. What can I do? More than what I'm doing right now, is there anything else I can do to say, God, I love you back? You know, at first, this may not be something, this, this topic and this uh, point that we're on right now, maybe not something that we fully understand. Possibly our love for God and our commitment, sometimes it happens this way, is because and driven by fear or some other emotion. In 1 John 4, 17 and 18, notice what it says. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment or punishment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We should not love God out of fear. I think sometimes when we were raised as a young boy, sometimes we we wouldn't taught that very well. We were taught to fear God and, and sometimes I think we missed the mark on teaching what the fear really was. It was a fear of what he can do to us rather than a fear of respect. Sometimes I think we missed that. But yes, I fear God and what he can do to me. But I fear God has respect of who he is and what he has done and what he'll continue to do. But in time, even if a person was taught that way, as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, we will better understand this concept. As we get older and we mature, we understand those things a lot better. I understand a lot of things better now than I did 20 years ago or even 10 years ago because I'm older and I can look back now but we love God because he first loved us. We love him because he first, and we love him back. And we have uh, have to love others. We have to love other people. You know, we've noted that Christian life is about serving others. What can I do for others? You know, our homes and our relationships at work, in the church, Other places that we go would be way, way better if everybody thought the way that we're talking about here. What can I do for others? What can I do today to make your life a little brighter? What can I do today to make your life a little better with that coworker, especially those that we struggle with? We all got them, don't we? What can I do? What does the scripture say? Love your enemies. I've always said that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is love your enemy. But we have to love others. There's no way around it. In the book of Philippians in chapter 2, in verses 3 and 4, it talks about our Lord, but, but it tells us that we must think about the interest of others. We have to think about the interest of others. And, and, and in this world that we live today, that's not what the world teaches you. It's all about what? what? It's all about yourself, isn't it? <laughs> Number one. But notice what Philippians 2 and 3 and 4 say. Says so that nothing be done and strive for vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem ourselves, or better than themselves. Not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Talks about our Lord in verse five, doesn't it? Let this mind be in you, which was also in what? Christ Jesus. Consider 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We sang that song this morning, didn't we? to just us out. Love one another. Taken from the scripture of 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter of love. But you know, Jesus taught his disciples that we learn to love one another the way he loved us. John 13. When you go and you look on in the next chapter of 1 John chapter 5, I think around verse 20 and 21. emphatically states that if we don't love our brethren and claim to love God and together and claim to love God and we don't love our brethren he says we're what liars you're just a right out liar so what this tells me and what it should tell you tonight is that if I'm going to please God, I have to learn to love my brethren. Of course, that's not always easy, but it's always necessary. But if I love God because he first loved me, and I love him back, I'm going to obey his commandments. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Tonight, if you love God the way you're supposed to love God, remember that statement I made back a few moments ago? With every fiber of your being, you will look for ways to show your love for God. There will be no question about whether you come back on Sunday night. There will be no question if you come back on Wednesday night or if you serve others and go and help people. There'll be no question about that. Tonight, I see you love God because you know you have hope. We keep His commandments. Do you ever wonder why we are so strict and we preach when it comes to obeying the commandments of God? A lot of times our young people and sometimes will say, well, why is things so strict? The reason is, is because that strictness shows how much we want to love God. A lot of times our young people will talk among themselves and say, well, I'm glad I don't live in your house. <laughs> I've had kids tell my kids that. I'm glad I don't live in your house. Man, they're strict. I've had people talk about that at the church. Boy, I'm glad I don't go to Church of Christ. They're strict. You know what? Strictness, as I just said, shows what? We love our children. Young people, when your parents want to know where you are, it's because they love you not because they're trying to be up in all your business but I'm going to tell you this too they have a right to be in your business because they're your parents but it's because they love you strictness shows that and loving God is just not about some feeling that you got in the pit of your stomach or your heart it's a reverence and a respect for him 2 John 6 says this love that we walk according to his commandments. We'll keep his commandments. And you know, and we'll close this lesson. If we love God, if you in this audience tonight, if you love God, including myself, the way we should, we will obey the gospel if we have not done so. We'll believe in him, John 3 and 16. We'll be, really, we'll be willing to repent, Romans 2 and verse 4. We'll confess him and we'll be baptized for remission of our sins. Truly God has loved us. In him we see what love is and we see how we ought to love him back and how we ought to treat others. The love of God ought to change our lives in every way for the better. But it only do so if we seek to understand his love for us. Tonight, my wish for you is that the love of God will be a great source of peace in your life. But let us tonight never forget that love is not all God is about. We're going to see in some other studies some more attributes Because again, the world will say, "God's love, God's love, God never chastens." God never, and they look at chastening as being something negative, but it's not. So tonight, maybe you're here and you need to repent of your sin. You need to come forward and you need to say, "I've sinned. I need to make things right." Maybe tonight you need to become a Christian. We encourage you to do that. God's loved you. He gives you a way to be able to go to heaven, to live eternally with him. He's blessed you in so many ways here on this earth with material things, our families, our jobs. He's blessed us in so many ways. And we need to continue to show him that we love him. And what a way, no better way than to obey the gospel. Tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.